Welcome, Burt Gang, and welcome to the final football Friday of the 2021 regular season. On today's show, an NFL first, a 17th game, and for the Cardinals, an important game. Mike Jarecki tells us what it's going to take to beat the Seahawks. He's got his three keys and X-Factor. Of course, the ultimate X-Factor are the 49ers. But first, J.J. Watt, he's back. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 523, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Never put anything past J.J. Watt. That's what we've all been told, right? From the GM to the head coach to his teammates, and apparently, MJ, it is going to happen, at least perhaps. But J.J. Watt taking that next step to returning to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and we've got a chance to see him, you know, over the last couple of weeks, just working out on the side, and, and now he has that 21-day window, and I think the plan is to, he will not play on Sunday against the Seahawks, but maybe get him ready for the uh, the first playoff game. And you're talking about a guy that went underwent surgery to, to repair a torn labrum, rotator cuff, and bicep in October. So you just got to give him a ton of credit and – you know, at the time, we're thinking, all right, is this possible? Well, right now, the clock is ticking, possibly for that first playoff game. Hurt his shoulder against the Texans on October 24th. Also the last time, by the way, the Cardinals won a home game. Underwent surgery, and Friday designated to return from injured reserve, allowing him to practice. Can be activated now, as you said, any point during the next 21 days. So there is a possibility of him playing in the playoffs. And initially, we didn't think that was going to be the case. We were hearing season ending, but obviously don't put anything past number 99. Yeah, and to me, Craig, you know, he's not going to play 65 snaps. But clearly just having him on the field as a presence, whether it's 30 or 35 snaps, and they'll be able to dictate that based on down and distance. We know he's really good in the run stuffing games, that more first and second down and then get your pass rushers on the field, Um, and they have moved him around on the line. It's not just he's playing nose tackle or D tackle. He does play a little bit of defensive end in a 3-4, even though you have your outside linebackers on the outside. So uh, I don't want to say he's going to be the savior, but I think any time when you find out a guy like that caliber is coming back, it's going to bring some juice to the locker room, very similar to when they make the trade for Zach Ertz. You mentioned presence, and you look at his statistics. 16 tackles, 5 tackles for loss, 1 sack, 10 quarterback hits, 1 force fumble, 2 passes defense. Nothing wows you, and there was that great game against the 49ers in Week 5. He had 4 quarterback hits, 2 tackles for loss, but he doesn't, has not, at least with the Cardinals, wowed you. But presence, because you have to account for a player of his stature, even if it's been since October, the last time he put on the uniform and was playing on Sunday. Yeah, to me, it's it's kind of like similar when the Titans are playing, and you know Julio Jones has been up and down, whether it's on injury reserve or COVID, and we you got to cover AJ Brown. And just having Julio Jones out there, and he's probably playing 40 to 45 snaps, you have, to, you have to make sure where he's on the field at every single time because history says that if you throw a ball to him, he's going to catch it. History says if J.J. Watt can get in the backfield, he's going to be disruptive. 
Now, as unlikely as this was possible or unlikely as it seemed possible back in late October, remember, J.J. Watt's done this once before. 2019 tore his pectoral muscle, returned eight weeks after surgery to play in the Texans' first playoff game. Does history repeat itself here a few years later? This injury is much more severe, though. Talking about here, the shoulder injury. Yeah, when you talk about the labrum, the rotator cuff, and the bicep, it was late October when he had the surgery. This is more severe. But time frame-wise, and and again, we've seen him work out 45 minutes, lathering up before games. Um, I'm assuming he's he's on the road with the team. Um, He's used the goalpost in practice and uh, State Farm Stadium to kind of extend his arm. And he's going to have a huge harness on. I'm talking it goes around his back. You know, he normally wears a big brace on his left arm, and, and you're going to see that. But the harness goes over the over the shoulder on his back because I did see him getting fitted for that during the open push in a practice. You talk about a jolt of energy in the locker room, players on both sides, whether offense or defense. And Kingsbury even brought up the presence because, quote, Guys definitely perk up when 99 is around. And Bergang, it's not like J.J. Watt hasn't been around, but there is a difference when you are on the football field as opposed to on the sidelines. Yes, your voice is still heard, but it might be heard a little bit differently if you're right next to the guy going through drills, going through plays, as opposed to, hey, this is what I see, do that. What is the first thing that, you know, Steve Kime touched on going into the leadership and physicality? And he definitely brought both not only in that locker room on the field and also into the inside the community when it comes to respect. And to me, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, dedicated to what he wants to do. Uh, but, again, I, I just think overall um, just having him practicing – you know, we'll see how much he's able to do next week. That's a big week, obviously. You want to knock some of the rust off. But I just think, you know, having him out there, it just creates some excitement. And, again, when you're the opposing coordinator and quarterback, you have to you have to game plan for J.J. Watt. I mean, because he's J.J. Watt. I mean, he, he can blow up a couple plays, and that's going to help the secondary. There are very few players in the National Football League that you have to be aware of, account for J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald. DeAndre Hopkins, when he was playing for the Cardinals on offense, I'd say what, maybe every team I think has one, but then there's a another tier when you're talking about an Aaron Donald and a J.J. Watt. You know, it's a good point because usually if you're on IR and, you know, you're maybe in your first couple of weeks and usually you got to wait a week or two for the swelling to go down for the surgery, we don't really see these guys on the field. Now, as they get closer – uh, to possibly returning or, you know, more looking at next year. Like Robert Alford was out there. You know, we didn't see Hakeem Butler a lot. But some guys will – but he's been there every every single day. Um, he's on the sidelines. You remember when Matt Prater had – he was having a tough time. And, oh, there's J.J. Watt. When the guys come to the sidelines, it could just be one little swim move that he can t- talk to Rashard Lawrence, um, Lucky Fotu, Zach Allen. So he's almost been more of a coach – and, you know, obviously he has a lot of respect on the field and in that locker room. So there's there's times he's been around where he's been a coach and, and he's also been, a you know, kind of a rallying for players that maybe don't have the greatest day or, you know, maybe they didn't, 
you know, play the, up to their par. And there were circumstances when Prater, we're talking about the long snapper, but the fact that he went over there, and I'm sure Prater didn't need to hear from anybody, but he wanted to let him know probably, hey, we're behind you. This is, this is a hiccup. You're going to help us in the postseason. So less than three months since that injury, designated to return allows a player to practice. Now, during the open portion of practice on Friday, J.J. Not, JJ Watt was not spotted. Doesn't mean he wasn't on the football field either prior or following the open portion of practice because on Instagram, J.J. Watt posted a photo of his practice gear laid out in front of his locker. So did he or did he not participate at some point on Friday? This is the bottom line, though. When Kingsbury calls it a procedural move, it's because, in the head coach's words, he's done everything possible that he can do from a rehab standpoint indoors. It's now taking that next step outside, on the football field, going through position drills, whether it's individual or as a group, and then maybe some teamwork. But this is all a step-by-step process. And no, he's not going to play this week. And I'd put it at 50-50 that he plays in that first playoff game because as much as that might be a goal, he doesn't know how he's going to respond. And you don't want to put someone out there, even if you are a J.J. Watt, when you are a hindrance. not saying that he will be or could be, but you don't want to have that negative effect. And then keep in mind, there's the rest of his career as well. There's next season. And for him, I'm sure he hopes that there's more seasons, whether it's with the Arizona Cardinals or somewhere else. So I understand the need for him to say, I want to play, but there's not a need to push it. But for being designated to return obviously means that he's, I wouldn't say medically cleared, but at least cleared the hurdles in the rehab to say, all right, well, we can't do anything more with you stretching or this and that. Let's Let's go attack it and see what happens. Yeah, just just based on his contract, um, I would I I would assume he's going to be be back next year. Just oh, I don't. Based, yeah, yeah. But you don't want. I'm saying a further injury risk, to be a career ending. Or risk. How many more game, times yes. can this guy rehab? Where, you know, he's got life after football. Now, you know, we're not talking to ACLs. I mean, it's been more the upper body. Um, you know, but the fact is that he's willing to put the work in, and that's all you can really do is respect the fact that he wants to be out there. It's going to be interesting next week whether or not we see number 99, and we'll follow it here as well on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, so no J.J. Watt this week. Could have told you that a um, long time ago. But <laughs> here's who else will not play on Sunday in Week 18. Not going to see Chase Edmonds, and he was not spotted on the practice field on Friday. And when you're not spotted, and obviously it's not a surprise that we're not going to see Chase Edmonds, it is encouraging to see James Conner once again on the practice field. Seems to be moving around pretty well, so maybe we get half of the one-two punch on Sunday. And interesting that we've only seen one game, Detroit. The last nine games, it's happened just once that James Conner and Chase Edmonds have been on the field together. One time in the last nine games, counting this Sunday. Yeah, it, we know that Chase, uh, he got hurt earlier in the season, and uh, you know then he was able to come back, and now he's dealing with two injuries, correct? Ribs and a toe. Toe. It, it's interesting, and then he, he passed the baton to, to, to James, and all of a sudden James uh, Conner's missed a few games. So it's, it's – but yeah, that, that – 
that's a telling stat from a standpoint of like, okay, when this team was rolling, you know, when they were seven and zero, they had the one two punch in James Conner and, and uh, Chase Edmonds. So, you know, I think they're being cautious. Clearly, if you're not practicing, then you, you know they're not going to put you on the field. But I do, you know, we saw Rondell Moore on the field. Uh, he's been ruled out. Jordan Phillips sounds like it's a couple of weeks if they happen to win that first playoff game. So, you know, you just wonder if this was a playoff game, how many guys can play. But if you don't practice all week, it's a little bit different. Marco Wilson also ruled out for Sunday. Zach Allen, though, the good news there, he was seen on the practice field on Friday after missing Wednesday and Thursday. So Zach Allen likely to be a game day decision listed questionable. But it's good to have that defensive line. And obviously, hopefully, we'll wait and see with respects to J.J. Watt coming up on that wild card weekend. Now, with Marco Wilson ruled out, the team did already elevate Kevin Peterson from the practice squad to the active roster, so that gives you four healthy corners. There is still time for Brashad Breland to be elevated as well, but at least you've got four. And I know Bergang, there are a lot of people who are not happy with Kevin Peterson's play, but you're looking at one play versus the entire game because when unprompted, the head coach and defensive coordinator single out Kevin Peterson for the job he did, that should matter. Don't discount that. So you've got Byron Murphy, you've got Kevin Peterson, Antonio Hamilton, and you also have, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, Breon Borders. Yeah, and, you know, I guess I think the Cardinals really wanted to see with uh, what Breland had on the field, and, and Vance was very complimentary, you know, the fact that he's played in a different, couple different systems. He thinks his football IQ is off the charts, being able to pick up the defense now. Um, when you're that third or fourth corner or fifth corner, and usually they dress four, you have to play on teams. and, and So he's got to have to find a role there, and I'm sure he's done that in the past when you're not the number one or number two corner. Um, but he definitely has experience, and that's what this team wanted. They wanted a veteran corner going into the postseason. So if it's not this week, i got to anticipate probably as they get closer to the uh, playoff game. And, again, going back to not forcing things, allow Breland to get his feet wet, kind of look from afar, get in there as well as far as defensive drills at practice, and then, all right, run you out maybe this weekend. But if not, then, hey, you've got – two solid weeks of practice before your first game, and it's just so your first game happens to be a playoff game. Yeah, and and, and the fact is that that will give them another week to practice on special teams. I mean, because clearly, you know, Alford looks like he may not be back as soon as we thought, Um, but obviously you still have Byron Murphy um, and then Kevin Peterson and Antonio Hamilton, and so they'll have some luxury, and then, you know, the wild card is Isaiah Simmons playing in the slot. And we saw a lot of that last week against Dallas, a lot of nickel corner from Isaiah Simmons. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's get into it. Week 18, the regular season finale, Cardinals hosting the Seahawks. Cardinals looking for that 12th win and an opportunity at the NFC West Division title. We'll get into that momentarily. But for the Cardinals to do something that they've only done one other time in the history of the franchise – That is when 12 or more games in the regular season. Cardinals, Mike Jarecki's three keys to victory. What needs to happen on Sunday? And that would have been about 2015 when they went 13-3? Correct. Okay, three keys to victory over the Seattle Seahawks. Vance Joseph is not going to like this. (laughs) 
you got to contain the Seattle Seahawks running game. Over the last five games, Craig, they've rushed for 854 yards on 140 carries. That's 6.1, including nine touchdowns. Of that, Penny has 79 carries, 515 yards, averaging 103 yards a game and five touchdowns. Now, there's been a few games where he didn't put over 100 yards, but there's been a few games he's gone over 150 yards. You're talking 850. Now, they are... I want to say three and two in those games. So they haven't won all those games. But the fact is that they have a weapon and, you know, I don't maybe their offensive line is not getting enough credit. Obviously Wilson's more healthy and when you got DK Metcalf and the two tight ends and Tyler Lockett, it's gonna open up the running game. So I didn't say shut it down. I said just contain the Seahawks running game because now you get into time of possession. Uh, what happens when they get in the red zone? Are they going to run the football? Are they going to utilize their big target in DK Metcalf? So you just have to contain it. Again, if you, you give up 120 yards and, and not three rushing touchdowns, then I like their chances. But they are averaging 6.1 yards per carry over the last five games. What you don't want to see happen on Sunday is Rashad Penny do what he did a week ago and not – the 170 rushing yards, the five runs of 10 or more yards, the three runs of 20 or more yards, the explosive running plays. Cardinals limit those. And, again, we're talking about stop the run, and for the first time this season, Vance Joseph acknowledging that, well, maybe it's not that big a deal. It It is a big deal because it does take something away from an offensive performance as far as that team and what they like to do. And if you do – contain the run a little bit then you can do be a little bit more aggressive as a defense because now all of a sudden Russell Wilson is looking at second and long or third and long or more third and not manageable but third and six plus and then all of a sudden you can be a little bit aggressive and trying to get the ball out of his hands let's let's dive a little bit deeper so during his five games they played San Francisco in that in, in the first of the five they ran the ball 27 times for 146 yards, two touchdowns. Penny was 10 of 35, 10 of 35. Okay, then the Rams game, they ran the ball 19 times for 80 yards, lost Penny 11 of thir- 11 for 39 yards. So it's not like he's been their bell cow. It's when they start to get the lead and they can pound the football, play complimentary football. So there's been a couple games where he's been pedestrian. But when I say – over 515 yards and 854 yards in the last five games. That tells me they're winning at the line of scrimmage when it comes to running the football. In the last four games, he's averaging nearly seven yards a carry with five touchdowns. And again, the Cardinals did not see a lot of Penny in that first meeting. In fact, he only had two carries for 19 yards, got hurt, and then we didn't see him the rest of the game. It was Alex Collins, who's now on injured reserve himself, so, yeah, Rashad Penny, a big focal point for this Cardinals defense facing Russell Wilson and company. All right, so number one, contain the run. Don't let Penny uh, get off as far as explosive runs are concerned. What's number two? I think Kyler Murray needs to get the, the playmakers more involved in the offense. I think the Antoine Wesley is a great story. Um, but I want to see him connect with more on Christian Kirk. And I looked it up this morning. The Cardinals have 19 drops this year. Kirk has six. Wow. Six. Now, it's happened over the, over the course of the season. He plays a lot. He's been targeted a lot. But they need to clean that up. And then A.J. Green. I think he needs to be targeted more. Now, there's been some miscommunication, but, you know, the fact is that, you know, he's not getting double teamed. Teams aren't rolling coverage over. 
And then Zach Ertz, he's been the most targeted guy since DeAndre Hopkins has been down, and they're actually playing him a little bit on the outside. And then without Chase Edmonds, James Conner clearly running the football with Jonathan Ward and Eno Benjamin. Get Conner involved in the passing game. I think Wesley's a great story, but I want to see the playmakers and, and maybe Cliff's forcing it a little bit to Wesley because of the matchup and his catch radius. But I want to see these other guys step up. This is kind of a tune-up before you go into the real deal. So I want to see the playmakers, guys that have done it all year, contribute a little bit more if if they happen to go more in the passing game. The one name that you brought up is A.J. Green. You look at his receptions, and even with Rondell Moore missing the past two weeks, Green still trails Rondell Moore in receptions, 54-50. to 50. Now, it's a wide margin when you're looking at receiving yards, and that's because A.J. Green is averaging 16.5 yards a reception. Get the ball in his hands nine times out of ten, Big things happen. Explosive plays, 20, 30, 35 yards or more touchdowns. And that 16 and a half, according to our stat whiz, Mike Helm, if that holds up, it would represent a new career high for Green, who at the age of 33 is in his 11th NFL season. So his catches are not where we want it, but his yards are. He's approaching 1,000. He probably won't get it. He's a well over 100 yards shy of 1,000, but it's that average yards per catch that is something that stands out, jumps off the page. Yeah, and the one game he, he was targeted three times and he had one catch for 33 yards, but you could see when him and Kyler Murray are on the same page, and he may not get the credit for down-the-field speed, but he, he's able to get to the sidelines and he's able to use his body. And they've they've hooked up a lot, and some of those passes have gone to the four- or five-yard line where he gets tackled, and then obviously you're in the red zone for a touchdown. So I just want to see the, the playmakers. Again, nothing against Wesley. I just want – I think these other guys need to be targeted more in the passing game. And while Green might have lost a step – from when he first entered the league. Maybe he's not nearly as fast, but the difference and the perfect example of this is that first play against Trayvon Diggs. I don't care how fast you are. If you don't run a route correctly or can't get separation, it does you no good. And A.J. Green might not be the fastest wide receiver, but he had a good three steps on Diggs on that double move. He's savvy. That double move, He and, and, and Diggs obviously is a guy that's given up 1,000 yards to opposing receivers, but he does have 11 uh, interceptions, so yeah, good and the bad there. But that double move, he, he twisted him like a pretzel. And so, like I said, I and it doesn't have to be down the field. It could be, you know, when when Kyler's in trouble or he's got to, you know, um, extend the pocket. He has he does a really good job coming back for the ball. The thing about AJ Green, he's savvy. He knows how to catch the football in traffic. A lot of young guys they learn it over a period of time. There's not there's not a game too big for him. And again, based on matchups, usually corners are five eleven, six feet. And you're not going to have Jamal Adams out there, so he should be able to win some of these one on one matchups when it comes to the fifty fifty balls. So Mike Jarecki's three keys to victory. Number one, contain the run. Number two, get the playmakers more involved, i.e. Christian Kirk and A.J. Green. So that's two. We need three. What is number three? Cardinals secondary against Metcalf, Lockett, Everett, and Disley. We know that the uh, Russell Wilson obviously looks like the old Russell Wilson. Cardinals got him in, coming back in his second game. He was air Maryland balls. He wasn't as accurate. I think he trusts – his protection, and we know DK Metcalf is coming off a, a, 
a three-touchdown game. Lockett's kind of like Robert Woods. He can catch the ball in the flat. He can he can take the top off the defense. The, the, there was a miscommunication the last time they played him. And to me, if you're Russell Wilson and, you know, they, they were playing on a Thursday night or sun, Sunday night, and you could tell that he was just trying to work Everett and Disley short passes just to kind of get in a rhythm. So Cardinal secondary, and that means uh, the two corners or three corners, depending on how you want to roll with it, um, the safeties, the middle of the field, and then Isaiah Simmons. So the Cardinals secondary against their skill position players, again, Penny doesn't catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. He's more of a you know, a downhill runner. He, he can run between the tackles. He can get outside. But they really don't target him in the passing game. So really it's those four guys right there, the two wide receivers. And they have another one in Swan, I think his name is. And then you got Everett and Disley. So that's going to be a key matchup. And that starts with the front seven getting pressure on Russell Wilson, so he has to make some ill-advised throws or has to throw a little bit quicker. And how much safety help is needed when it comes to Lockett or Metcalf? Jalen Thompson on Friday described Metcalf as a deep ball threat. Lockett, fast, comes across the middle, can take it downfield, and is thrown open. That was the terminology that Jalen Thompson used a lot because of that relationship between quarterback and wide receiver. But if you can have a Byron Murphy, if you can have an Antonio Hamilton or Kevin Peterson, not lock them up, but at least not need that safety help, then that might help a little bit as far as making sure Russell Wilson stays within the pocket or the tight end doesn't get loose across the middle of the field. Isaiah Simmons is going to be huge with respects to how much do the Seahawks want to target an Everett or a Disley in the passing game. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if Ants is going to play a little bit of man, uh, press at line of scrimmage. I don't know if that's a good idea with DK Metcalf and the way they, they, they um, motion Tyler Lockett. Maybe they play a little bit more zone. Um, but again, these quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball less than 2.5 seconds, so that's where the front seven has to come in. But clearly the Cardinals secondary, and, and everyone's got to do a much better job tackling in the open field. You cannot arm tackle D.K. Metcalf. You have to gang tackle him. No, he is a physical freak, and he's played very, very well through his first three seasons in the National Football League. All right, so MJ's three keys to victory contain the run. Get the playmakers involved. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, pay attention to them. And in the Cardinals secondary, get Metcalf, Lockett, and company as far as limiting their ability to get open. And the Cardinals did a good job in that first meeting. I mean, Metcalf was basically non-existent. Lockett only had three catches. Three, though, were 20-plus yards. So, And he was a huge factor, and there are three scoring drives. But bottom line is the Cardinals' defense did a great job. Of course, as we talked about earlier this week. That was Russell Wilson's second game since finger surgery. He's had several more. He's had six games since Arizona. 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, 60% completion rate in four of those six games. So he is playing very, very well, or at least better than he was back at the end of, or I should say at the, yeah, the end of November. All right, you ready for the X Factor? X Factor. Cardinals need to have balance on offense. I want to see at least 30 rushes. Now, granted, if you're falling behind, uh, I'll take 25 to 28, um, but 30 is the magic number. They are unbeaten uh, when they rush the ball over 30 times, and that's balance on offense. doesn't mean they can't throw the ball 35 or 40 times if you get 65 snaps, but I want to see the X factor balance on offense. Don't abandon the run if you fall behind early in the game. Stick to the run. Um, play off your strengths, which is the offensive line. Uh, they feel like they got the best five guys starting this week across the board. Hump, Pugh, Hudson, Garcia, 
and Calvin Beecham. And then you got some guys that can come in as extra blockers, whether um, Terrell Daniels or you can even bring in Josh Jones. So, uh, again, based on Rodney Hudson coming back and the fact that he hasn't played a ton with uh, Justin Pugh, that chemistry will come together before they get to the postseason. Those nine games, uh, 30 or more rushing attempts, six of those games the Cardinals scored first and never trailed. So it does factor into, yeah, you can keep running the football if you have the lead. It's when you're trailing by two scores, three scores, then you start abandoning the run. But even if you're down a field goal, a touchdown, 10 points, you still have to be able to run the football. And it sounds like it's going to be James Conner this week. Might even see a little Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Ward just to kind of make sure that you keep Connor fresh for the playoffs and then how healthy is he or how is his conditioning after missing the past two weeks and making sure that he gets his the rust off if there is any ready for that wild card weekend but don't be surprised if you see some Jonathan Ward and Eno Benjamin on the in the backfield and K1 and Kyler Murray that's right don't forget about <laughs> the quarterback I this week, it's a luxury. Last week, I was okay with it. This yeah. week, I'm like, you know what? I keep him in a bubble. Yeah, keep him in a bubble. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's the that's, that's, that's not a, who he is. That's this week to week league. I know MJ. that's what makes him so dynamic in the open field. You know, intangible. This team plays a lot better when they win the turnover battle, and you could say that with every team. But sometimes, if you only turn it over one time, and then you get down the time of possession. But I think winning the turnover it doesn't have to be plus three. It just went don't. Don't let them win the turnover battle where they're going to get short fields and they're going to be able to try to score. Um, so to me, winning the turnover battle uh, will go a long way. Again, I'm not asking for four or five turnovers. I think the defenses, you know, they're due for a couple picks here or at least a forced fumble. They got one last week. Obviously a great play by Isaiah Simmons there. And Buda Baker dropped a pick six. Um, I'm not going to question him because he gets his hands around and he tackles like a, a machine out there. But I think win the turnover battle, again, it doesn't have to be overwhelming, but just don't be minus when the game's over. Well, and the Cardinals have been minus during this four-game home losing streak. Seven turnovers to two takeaways and the last four home games. And overall, on the road, Cardinals are plus 18 at home. Minus seven. Go figure. And, and, you know, again, Seattle has a lot of transplants out here. I don't know because their season's kind of over, even though they're treating this like a Super Bowl, according to Kingsbury. Um, you, you just don't want them to, let, to hang around. And, you know, I was listening to an interview yesterday on uh, uh, Burns and Gambo. They had a gentleman from The Athletic, and he does a really good job. And he, he said that a lot of these guys are treating it like a preseason game standpoint of they have a ton of free agents and you're not only showcasing your talents to resign there we know our scouts go to every single game there's 31 other teams because they're out of it now i'm not saying they're going to freelance they're not treating like a preseason but he said a lot of guys know that they may not be in back in seattle and you can say the same thing with the cardinals but they have another game this is it i mean they got a lot of free agents and so he was saying like yes they're going to treat this like a normal game they're going to try to win it, but he said a lot of guys there are playing for their futures, and it may not be in Seattle. It could be on another team. be interesting to see what happens if the Cardinals do get off to a lead early and make it maybe 14, 17 points. How do the Seahawks respond? Do they pack it up and just say, all right, we're done, 
and then the Cardinals can react accordingly because then all of a sudden you can start pulling your own starters in the second half. But I still think we got to wait to see what's going on there. Oh, I get you, 14-17 point lead. That's three yeah. possessions late in the third, fourth quarter. Then you can start, all right, we've okay. got this game, now we're good. Now, again, you bring up the other X factor in this Week 18 game, and that's what's going to be happening at the same time in Los Angeles, Rams and 49ers. And regardless of what Kingsbury says, he might not be paying attention, but I guarantee you there is someone in that booth upstairs that is going to be monitoring that game or at least occasionally checking, maybe not the TV, but at least the scoreboard. All right, well, it's 10 nothing now in the second quarter. It might not even say anything to Kingsbury until the second half. But it is going to factor in, depending on how that game turns out, what the Cardinals do. Yeah, they don't live in a vacuum. So I got to think when they go back to halftime, even if it's a, they're winning by a touchdown. I mean, just again, they don't want to know because you got to beat the Seahawks first. But I would think at halftime, and then eventually you're going to see scores on the on the on the jumbotron. Probably more of the early games, and then you'll get a little bit of taste of the late games. So, now this is interesting. Seattle's record in games decided by seven points or less, 2019 to 2020, 16 and five. Good teams find ways yes. to win. Seattle's record in games decided by seven points or less this year, one and five, one and five. So that's been the difference. When when they they can win close games, this year they haven't been able to do that, and maybe that was more in the beginning of the first half of the season compared again the last five games are three and two and they're running the ball well but that's been the biggest difference because when you have a guy like Russell Wilson and when they had that defense over the last two years they were 12 and four last year so it's not like I'm just pulling these stats out of left field 16 and five versus one and five big difference Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals again it is week 18 Cardinals host the Seahawks 225 is the kickoff 930 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network and I do need to make a correction to something I said this week and might have said maybe a couple of times this is not I repeat this is not the first ever scheduled week 18 in the National Football League because of 2000 not because of 2001 and 9-11 that was not scheduled before the season began that turned into a week 18 because of what happened okay on 9-11 flashback 1993 the league scheduled 16 games over 18 weeks giving every team two bye weeks and the only reason I know that ESPN's Bill Barnwell I heard him mention that earlier on Friday so this is not the first ever it's the first ever 17 games but not the first ever week 18 details yes I'm all about the details I want to read a couple things um, first from Devin McCourty now they're they're competing with Buffalo possibly for the division um, depending on some help uh, Tennessee loses they can be a number one seat I think this is very interesting he says Now we're at the point, if you don't prepare well and it doesn't go well, that's it. That's the end of your season. We have an opportunity right now this week to start the mentality. So when we get into the playoffs, we know what it feels like. That's got to be the mentality, unquote. That's got to be the mentality of this team. Mike McCarthy, we need to stay in rhythm. This is our first time in the playoffs together. We need to go in there as strong as possible with momentum and play style because – Again, the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs, so this is the first year this team was going to be in the playoffs. So I thought those were two important quotes from, from a guy that's been in the playoffs and a guy that won it in Green Bay to saying, even though it's the last game, 
next time you step on the field after this, it's one or go home. So the mentality should be treat this like a playoff game. I know that you're not going to go all up. I'm sure Kingsbury's saving stuff for that first opponent. But I'm just saying, I thought those were interesting quotes to where you have a you have a warm-up game, so to speak, even though it counts. Get the mentality now because you don't want to hit that, uh, that, that you know, flick that switch just because it's the playoffs. Do it now. I hope and I feel, but I don't know for certain, that that was the mentality spoken of going into the Cowboys game last week. Everyone acknowledged that playoff-type atmosphere, another good opponent. We're on the downward spiral, if you will. We need to get ourselves lifted up. So if they take that mentality from a week ago into this week, yeah, you go in winning two in a row, positive momentum, it's feeling good. You've got 12 wins regardless of what happens between the Rams and 49ers. If you have to travel that first wild card weekend, fine. But at least you're feeling good about themselves. And as we've talked about, you can't flip the switch. It's impossible. Historically, Super Bowl winning teams do not flip the switch. The last team to go in losing four out of five, the Baltimore Ravens, when they won the Super Bowl way back when. Yeah, you're playing with fire. It's You just can't flick it, uh, flip the switch. So I agree with you. And, you know, if this team wins 12 games and they win the division, uh, we're really not going to be talking about a three-game losing streak, even though – the goal was not only to win the division when they were 10 and two is to have a higher seating. And, and obviously, you know, right now green Bay's in the driver's seat there. So, um, and the last thing they wanted to do was limp into the playoffs. It wouldn't, it would have been bad if they went in on a five game losing streak. Cause then, you know, the national media is just waiting for the shoot, the, the shoot to drop. And that's not the case. So this is, this is an important game just from a mental standpoint, because the next time you play, it gets ratcheted up even tenfold. And this Cardinals team does have playoff experience. It's limited, but there are 18 players on the active roster who have appeared in at least one playoff game. Chris Banjo, Chandler Jones, each nine games. Chandler Jones won a Super Bowl. Aaron Brewer, Andy Lee, Matt Prater, eight games each. Zach Ertz, Demetrius Harris, seven games each. And this little nugget, again, StatWiz, Mike Helm, Marcus Golden, DJ Humphreys, Corey Peters, the only players on the current roster that were with the Cardinals when they last made the playoffs in 2015. And Humphreys did not see a single snap that season. It was interesting listening to Corey Peters because he was he he grew uh, he was went to Kentucky and then he got drafted by the Falcons in the first year. First three seasons they made the playoffs. Made the playoffs. And Ken Summers had a great question. You know, he thought it would be easy. You know, and then all of a sudden it's, there's no guarantees. And I like what these guys have been saying over the last couple of weeks. The veterans to the young guys, because they, they're thinking, oh, this is going to happen every year. Listen, this team will not look the same next season. It, no no team brings back the same players. Free agency, drafts, they're always trying to you know update the roster. So this is the group right now, and this is the group they're going in with. So, um, you know, focus on that because there's no guarantees, you know, where, where these, some of these guys are going to be next year. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's go through it one more time, MJ. We did it on Wednesday, the nine different playoff scenarios and where you, Bird Gang, need to be paying attention to on Saturday and Sunday. Yes, there's two games on Saturday, one involving the Cowboys, which does factor in to some of these scenarios. The least likely scenario, Cardinals win, 49ers win, 
and the Panthers upset the Buccaneers on the road. If those three things happen, then the Cardinals win the NFC West. They are two seed. So now you avoid the Green Bay Packers until the conference championship, and you'd host the Eagles on Wild Card Weekend. I say least likely because I'm not too confident in the Panthers' ability to win at Tampa Bay. That's just me. Yeah, even though they got distractions, uh, the you know they don't want to drop in the seedings. I mean, I think Dallas is hoping to win, and somebody else loses above them so they can jump up. But yeah, um, they you know what they say: dreaming is free. It'd be it'd be awesome. Um, you know, being a two seed, but at this point in time, more realistically, win the division if you can. If not, you're not going to drop further than a five seed. The other way for this team to win the division and host a playoff game is if the Cardinals win, 49ers win, and the Buccaneers win. Then all of a sudden you are a three seed and you'd host the 49ers for a third time this season. Always difficult facing the team three times in a row, but Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, who's the quarterback? Is it going to be both? So I'd be okay with that scenario. But, again, most have the Cardinals on the road as the five seed, either in L.A., Tampa Bay, or Dallas. The latter is the most likely. But you play the Rams. If the Seahawks, 49ers, Cowboys, and Buccaneers all win, you'd play the Buccaneers, which I want no part of in the first round, if the Seahawks, 49ers, Cowboys, and Panthers all win. Again, I don't see that happening because – I don't see the Seahawks, 49ers, and Panthers all winning. I do see the Cowboys winning, but I don't see Seahawks, 49ers, and Panthers winning this Well, I, I, I hope the Seahawks don't win, but <laughs> I, I do see the Niners possibly beating the Rams. Oh, I do too. I mean, they've, they've won. Won one. They need it. Yes. Win and they're in. Otherwise, they can back in if the Saints lose at the Falcons. Yes. And I think it was George Kittle came out and said today, it's going to be a bloodbath. He said, he, he said they're going to be – I think you said they're going to be body bags out there. Now it's probably extreme, but they don't like each other. They they know what's at stake. So let's go Niners. Absolutely. I uh, tip my cap to Kyle Shanahan and company. Start whichever quarterback you believe is capable of winning on that day. Maybe you play both of them. Heck, maybe even have them both on the field at the same time. The word is they're both going to play. And that, and again, that has, you know, Raheem Morris is now they know what Jimmy can do and, this is this is Kittle, on the importance of being the more physical team Sunday against the Rams. I think it's going to be, uh, I think I think it's going to be definitely show up this Sunday, who's the more physical team. It's going to be kind of like a body bag game, in my opinion. Unquote. Body bag game. <laughs> okay, that's a description I have not <laughs> heard before. Last man standing, Craig. <sighs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Wow, that's okay. I'm trying to visualize that. But, <laughs> hey, you get in the right mindset. And, again, once you step between the white lines, it's all about trying to win regardless of, you know, what what you might feel about that player, that person after the game is over with. Okay, so let's go on the other side. So Aaron Donald was asked about Debo Samuel. He goes, who? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although, to be fair – Debo hasn't been in the league as long as Aaron Donald. No, but he he was just the reporter said he was having a little fun. Yeah. Where body bag versus who? <laughs> it should be fun. Again, the final weekend decide final three playoff bursts, one spot in the NFC between two teams, 49ers and Saints, two spots in the AFC between five teams, Colts, Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, and Ravens, 
and four teams in the AFC with a chance at the number one seed, Bengals, Chiefs, Patriots, and Titans. I don't think the NFL could have drawn this up any better when they set this schedule way back when in the month of May. 18 teams are still in contention. Now, obviously, there's four teams only make it, but based on tiebreakers, if this team wins, um, again, right now there's a handful of teams that have already qualified for the postseason, including more in the NFC than the AFC right now. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. Week 18, 225 is the kickoff from State Farm Stadium. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. Cardinals and Seahawks try to sweep the Seahawks for the first time in a very, very long time. Has not been done since 2009. Has never been done with Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback for Seattle. And does this mean the end of Mr. Russell Wilson? His first game with the Seahawks at State Farm Stadium Potentially his last game with the Seattle Seahawks at State Farm Stadium. We'll wait and see come Sunday. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.